Hey, this is Corey Ryan Forrester and Trey Crowder, and you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. We didn't forget about you. We didn't forget about you. I know our schedule's been a little strange, little weird releases here and there, but we're keeping them going. We're just getting out of our summer malaise and and, and trying to trying to get back into it here. So, well, welcome back, Mike. Welcome to the show. Uh, I gotta be honest. Uh, I forgot about the audience. Um, I, you know, I got busy. I was doing things and i'm like oh yeah i do something weekly for 10 years you, yeah you of all people forgot about the audience you do you think well, they, well do you think they forgot about you oh never that's come on look, look what you're staring at how can that be humanly possible yeah i mean you're very 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 sweaty usually you're not sweaty till like halfway through the podcast but you're like you're starting sweaty well, I I had a workout uh-huh. uh, earlier tonight, so but uh, you know I get praise everywhere, so sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh yeah, there's that piece of praise that I forgot about to to go, and then I'm like, I'm so sorry, and everybody's like, no, no, don't apologize. It's our fault. We came to praise you, and we didn't remind you. Do you so. think the audience prefers you sweaty, or they like the clean version of you? Um, it depends <laughs> on the time of year, right? I believe. Okay. I, I feel like when it's um, when when it gets chilly and they're shivering and they want to think of something hot, they want to see nice sweaty burls in their face, you know, where they're like, "Oh, okay, Ugh. now the brain is thinking about the warm weather, and I'm excited." So, and then when we go to the other side, they're like, "Ah, it's nasty outside." I need need something to cool close down like got your partner so you think when there's a nip in the air maybe a little frost on the ground kids mm-hmm. are cold kind of like a yeah. fire they just put our podcast on and look at the sweaty version of you and kind of yeah. rub their hands together warm up around your your yeah. your glow basically scott when the, the the foliage starts when the trees change colors that's when they're like need sweaty burlu right now let's mm-hmm. do this and then in the summer they need a nice Cool, nice, cool glass of Michael Burlew. Okay, yeah, nice tall one with a little umbrella, a nice big straw just to sit down. How did how how exactly did you find someone to marry you? Is the real question. Do you do you you picture these ideas? Are you like, come on, babe, I'm sweaty, warm up next to me? Well, you know, Uh, I mean, (laughs) true love comes, and my wife was just the very lucky one. Everybody. All you gals had options. All you guys who, who were like, maybe I can convert them. Didn't try hard enough. And and my wife won. So I apologize to everybody. But then you're like, no, don't apologize. We came to praise you. So here we are. Interesting, interesting um, outlook you have on yourself and and mm. the way the world operates. But anyway, that's Mike, everybody, if you're just tuning in. Um, Mike. 
a pretty funny occurrence today. I went to get my hair cut. I get I get my hair cut from like a a girl just like in town. She used to work at the salon. Just she, a random girl? Yeah, pretty much. She used you to just like a person on the street. You Bradley Scissors, go. <laughs> you look like you can cut hair, darling. <laughs> you know. <laughs> go on, hack away, darling. Um so she used to work at the place I used to go to and then she had a baby and she was like, ah, I'm just going to cut out of my house, you know, like, so I don't have to go back to work really. And I'm like, this is great because she lives around the corner from me. So it's like perfect Whoa. scenario. So she's really into um, like NASCAR and racing and things like that. Like she's, Ooh. you go to her house, she has like a Truex Jr. flag outside the house. Very Jersey guy. Yeah. <laughs> so the other day when we posted our Mason uh, Massey interview, She's like, oh, wow, where can I listen? So I was like, oh, you can listen. Um, so I sent her the link to Mason Matt, and then I sent her to Kaz Grala and tra- like all the ones we've had on. Trevor she's pretty- Bain, Trevor Bain, Bill yep. Lester. Yep. So today I'm getting my hair cut, and she's like, you know, we're talking, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, you know, like went to listen to your podcast, um, and – yeah, you you and the host, you were going on about the slug sex for like a very long time, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find the interview. She's like, I listened for a half hour, and then I was like, oh, crap, my, my son has to go somewhere, so I turned it off, so I never got to the, <laughs> I never got to the NASCAR interview. She's like, you really were uh, hanging on to that slug sex thing. I'm like... Yeah, you, you you caught me at a at a weird week, I guess. I said there's no there's no uh real science to the podcast. I just said just remember like they're always 30 minutes in or so the interviews, but um yeah. yeah so I guess she I guess her first impression and only impression of the podcast is that we talk about um <laughs> I don't even know if they're insects, uh insect sex um for about a half hour. And then we well, have a, and then we, maybe she thinks that we like falsely advertise there's not even a NASCAR driver on there somewhere. Yeah, that's always like the fun thing. Like when I put the podcast on certain groups, it's yep. like, oh, we got this rock star. Oh, we got this athlete, blah, blah, blah. There's always that weird moment where they're like, um, I'm like 10 minutes in. Where are they at? <laughs> Keep on going. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a thing about Dukes of Hazard that day. You're going to have to wait for that. Yeah. Maybe it's not the best strategy in the world that we put our interviews in the middle. Like maybe, maybe it's not. But I, I don't know. It's been that way for so long. I can't picture changing it at this point. Do you want to really calculate the odds they would stick around after the interview for this stuff? That's true. We we have to we have to try to get. It, it, it's like getting yeah. a couple minutes on a show when you're first starting in comedy. You have to do anything you can to get a few minutes. You know. Listen, when you turn on like um, uh, Jim and Sam. Howard Stern, you you turn it on the men to get on the air. The guests ain't there, right? We we got stuff to talk about. It's your job to wait around and do it. Or if you want the fast forward, you can do that and on. Right. In fact, we kind of block the fast forward because we we know you touch it too much. <laughs> That'd be but, great. Uh, you could disable it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want. I can't turn it off. I just want to hear. I just want to hear Lejean from Seven Dust. I do not want to hear about Mike and his trash can that he lost. <laughs> uh, well, mommy, can we get to the guest? Honey, it disabled everything. I turned off the computer. It's still speaking through the speaker somehow. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, guys. So th- this is really what you're going to get if you're tuning in for the first time, and I apologize for that. But don't worry, we got great guests coming up in just a few in 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 approximately. Yeah. Uh, I got 20 minutes worth of sweaty talk still, people. <laughs> so you're waiting for our special guest. You understand me? Yeah, you're, you're tuning. If you're just tuning in, Mike does a segment every week called Sweaty Talk with Mike, and it's it, it just yeah. knocks it out of the park. He just he just kills it. I feel bad because, like I said, in the summer I had to be cool, Mike. So I just had to put best of sweaty Mike. You just part on the podcast. You're just fanning yourself. This is cool <laughs> chat with Mike. Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to November second. That was a sweaty day. <laughs> Let me tell you about all the times I remember sweating through my childhood. Um, I had quite the experience, Mike. Um, I I, I told you about it. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I can't, I can't have you play, <laughs> play the dumb. What oh, happened? Oh, 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 oh my God. But I feel like we're going to have to navigate the audience through this. Um, so I don't know if one would call it a near death experience. I think that might be extreme. However, you have, mm-hmm. you have heard people die from, from things like this, right? Yeah. I, I would say mm-hmm. you've heard, especially children, right? Um, if you've seen the movie My Girl, I'll give you a little hint of where this is going. Um, the other day, um, I decided, you know, it was a nice fall day here, non-sweaty day, Mike. Um, mm, it, I decided after work, maybe it'd be nice to go um, get my dog out. He doesn't go for too many walks these days. He's a lot slower, a lot less pep in his step, you know. Um, take him out, get get my son out. For a little walk, you know, and and my wife, you know, take a little family walk. So we go to this little, they call it a nature park. It's basically like a playground, and there's a huge pond in the middle, and then like there's a there's a nature trail that kind of goes around it. Not a big, like we're not in the middle of the woods. This is kind of right off a main road. I would say the trail, maybe at most is a mile, maybe three quarters of a mile, something like that. Okay. So, so nothing crazy, you know. Just got, and a loop too. Like you could see if you look through the trees, you can kind of see towards the road at some point. So, yeah. So we're going for this walk. Everything's great. My son's having a blast. Um, we're walking. He's really. We never really did this with him yet. So he was. He was pretty into it. You know, like like uh, pointing at the sticks and the trees and everything else. Your sons really get excited about sticks. Yeah, dude. They're, they're, he's a two-year-old boy. This is a fallen stick, a rock. These, these are just as good as brand new toys. It's like the old oh, Christmas must suck at your house. <laughs> no, it's like the old adage, you know, like you can give a kid a brand new toy. They love the box more than anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're walking, and you know, my dog's starting to be slow. So my wife's like, "Okay, I'll take a turn with him, and I'll walk behind you. You go ahead with uh, with Shay." my son and we're walking and we're pretending there's like dinosaurs around because we we do that quite often he'll he'll wake Mm. up and he'll be like dinosaurs are coming i'm like okay no problem we'll hide from the dinosaurs so we get behind this tree and we're like peeking around the corner as if mommy was the dinosaur and we're like oh t-rex is coming all of a sudden i look down and i hear him going and i look down and sure enough i no sticks. No Terrible. St- there was a couple sticks probably, but I look down and I, I try, I'm trying not to exaggerate any part of the story, but it, it what seemed like 50 to 100 bees or hornets mm-hmm. or 
whatever you want to call I, I don't know exactly what they were. I'm guessing Yellow Jackets was the my best guess. Um, you should have contacted former guest Justin O. Schmidt, the man who created the Schmidt uh, scale for bug bites, the stings, how painful they are. So he gave you the answer. So mid B swarming, I should have been like, hold on, hold on, let me let me get the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what episode wait, was that? It was the mid two hundreds. Give me a minute. <laughs> so he starts screaming, and all of a sudden, right away, zit. Zit, zit. I'm getting hit left and right, like stung, and immediately I know what's happening. I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting stung by bees and or or whatever hornets or whatever. And first instinct is I just take my son, I pick him up, and I just sprint as far and fast as possible. And I'm getting so his, your back, or are you just like I got him just holding onto an arm. I got him like cradled against my body like like just football carry okay. yeah kind of like yeah like the high tiki barber carry like where he really once he adjusted that uh <laughs> that grip he was fine but i have them and i'm just sprinting and they're still lighting me up like um i'm feeling them in i had like a very like a like under armory type of shirt on so it was very light yeah. so i couldn't tell if they were up my shirt or just going through like the real light fabric but they're lighting up like my sides and like my by my armpits and by my nipple, uh, and then I'm feeling them like on the back of my legs and like going Oof. up my shorts a little bit, like you know, almost by the dong, Ooh. almost by the dong. Sexy, yeah, I like it. Um, Tonight on OnlyFans, Scott gets <laughs> tongue near the dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is it gonna sting me? Maybe. <laughs> So I'm running, and every time I would stop, I'd be like, okay, we're in the clear. Zit, zit, another, like, one or two guys. So I'd sprint again, and he's screaming. So I could only assume that my son was getting lit up as just as much as I was. Like, you know, you're just in sheer pain. Finally, I get, I want to say, 100 yards away. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know length of a football field maybe and it feels like they're kind of done and i'm like oh my god oh my god and i look down and my arms are just you know red holes everywhere my back you know i'm still kind of feel like they're on me so then i'm like okay where the hell is my wife like did she go through them is she getting stung um so a couple minutes go by and i'm like trying to calm my son down and see kind of assess the situation, see how bad he is. And I can't really tell. Um, and also my wife comes. She's like, oh, my God, what the hell is that? Oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay? She's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And, she, you know, I noticed that I'm like, where the hell is the dog? <laughs> like, yeah. there's no dog with her. I'm like, oh, God. She's like, I don't know. I He was, you know, he walks with us off leash because he kind of just stays right by us. And... She said, I don't know, he ran the other way, and I had to run to see what was going on. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, okay, you need to take the baby and go and whatever, call the ambulance, whatever, because you don't, you don't know. He's never been stung by a bee, one. You don't know. If he's allergic, this kid's going to swell up like a balloon. And I have no clue if he got 20 stings, if he got one sting. You know, you really don't know. I wonder if it makes a difference, like, as we're – talking about was it a bee was it a hornet was it a wasp I, I wonder if they're like 
you can be allergic to beast things, but not wasp bites. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm sure. I, I bet you could. Uh, you know, it's funny you said it because someone I'm, you know, I'm friendly with. He's a beekeeper, and he's been stung a bunch mm. of times. And he said that the beast, when he gets the bee stings, he swells up nonstop. But yet he's been stung by other things and hasn't. So maybe, maybe there is. Maybe it depends on the venom or, or whatnot. Um, so now it's okay. Send my wife off with my baby, and now I got to go. You know, this is only the first half. Now I got to go find my buddy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I got to go find my buddy. <clears throat> so I say, okay, I, I have to go back. So now yeah. I don't have any idea how far I ran. Um, it, you know, could have been two minutes, could have been ten minutes. I have no idea. It just, you know, it's all a blur, like pure like fight or flight kind of reaction. I go through again, and all of a sudden, as I'm getting, to, I'm like, man, this kind of looks like the tree where it was at. And then all of a sudden, zit, 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 like another four or five. I'm like, oh my god! Like now, I'm like screaming at this point, like Jesus Christ! You know, like, um, well, it's your fault, Scott, because clearly, like, the bees were huddled up. They're like, ah, that no good sob. You disturbed our, and then one of the bees is like, yo. Yo, Keith. Keith. That the SOB? Yeah, Keith the B. You don't know Keith? SOB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, is that the, that son of a, he's coming right back at us. I, this guy thinks he's something. I also love to think that the first name you came up with for a B is Keith the B. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, can you give me some of your brilliant off the cuff B names out of curiosity? Um, Bubbles. Bubbles the B. I just I just find it funny that you give him like a real like standard white dude name like oh there's Keith. Yeah, I mean why not? I mean it's it's a solid name. It's a regular name. I don't know in the B community how regular the name is, but my B's named Keith. Okay, <laughs> okay, Keith the B. So um, what I I failed to mention there's a little other part of the story before I continue. Um, as I was running out, screaming my head off like ah. Come on, Shay, let's run. Uh, a couple, an older couple, was walking with their dog in. And they're like, oh, my God, are you okay? I'm like, no. And I couldn't even, like, I was still getting stung at the time. And <laughs> my son is screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm like, there's hornets. You know, like, I have no idea. And they're like, oh, we probably shouldn't go in there. Like, turn. I'm like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. But I couldn't even get out the words that my dog was still back there. I was like, but but I got to, you know, as Alex came, I was like, I got to go. Huh? So I run back in like it's a burning building. And the, the, the start- key is to stop, breathe, know your etiquette when getting attacked by hornets. Oh, gotcha. And, Hornet etiquette. And, and, and communicate with the elderly couple and then say, excuse me, I must return for my uh, canine. I, be- I believe that's called hornetiquette, correct? Ooh. <laughs> See, that's way better than bubbles to be, okay? I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> uh, um, so I go back in. I'm getting stung again, and I get past the area. I'm a mess. You know, I'm just every, – every thought's going through your head. Heart's racing. I'm sweating, you know. And I can't find my dog anywhere. I can't find him anywhere, and I'm just, Obi, come on, bud. Come on. Where are you, buddy? Come on, bud. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Just a bunch of nothing. And eventually I start getting like, oh, man. Oh, like I start screaming like, where are you? Oh, man. You know, because now I'm thinking like, okay, I have no clue if my son's okay. 
Yeah. Um, I have no clue if my dog's okay. I, I honestly didn't even know if my wife was okay because, you know, I don't know what she got. And then I'm also, like, looking at my arms and legs, and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm okay. You know, like, if yeah. I'm going to start having – because, I mean, I was hurting, man. Like, I was hurting. Everything was, like, stiff and, and, and just red and swollen. Like, I didn't know if I was having a reaction at the time. I had no idea. And, and you're going through the – regular dog etiquette when your dog goes away and it doesn't listen to you you start off nice hey buddy come on back yep. and then it's like come on buddy go there and then no matter how much you love your dog you know get your dog away. <laughs> yeah, exactly 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 so i'm starting to lose it i'm like what and then i thought i and i still don't know if i did i thought i heard him whimpering like <laughs> it could have been anything could have been a bird but I'm like, he's got to be here somewhere. But the thought's going through my head. I'm like, I have to get back to my son. Um, I'm going to have to leave him in the woods and call, like, animal control or or the police or something and be like, if anybody finds, you know, hopefully someone finds him. And, yeah, this is a small trail, but, like, it does back to, like, woods, woods. So he could have gone yeah. for a long time. So finally, I, I, I in my mind, it was about 10 minutes. Um all of a sudden, I see him slowly walking out of like this marshy area, and I'm like, "Oh man!" Like, I'm like, "Buddy, oh buddy, come here, come here, come here!" You know, I'm all swollen up, and and I feel him immediately, and he looks okay, but he's just completely soaked, like head to toe. Yeah. So that old genius must have jumped in some kind of water, and there was a lot of water there because it's been raining so much here. Um, so he must have jumped in like the marshy area to get himself you know, out of the bees. Cause later on I did talk to my wife and she said, yeah, when he ran off, he was surrounded by Hornet, like his whole oh. fate. They were lighting him up. Um, I, I just realized we actually had two bee guests on our show. Yeah. Cause we had Reed Booth, the killer bee guy casting ain't beezy episode 206. Mm -hmm. So when you listen to this, please Go back and listen to Justin Oshmid and uh, <laughs> casting ain't busy. You know, I was thinking that too. I'm like, what was the other guy that we had on? I should call him right now. I just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, well, Justin Oshmid would be the first podcast. So after you listen to the hour and a half podcast, <laughs> while the Hornets were singing, <laughs> then you can go. Why are they talking about Mike's <laughs> uncle? Get to the ca <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, they disabled the fast-forward button again. <laughs> um, so I I start to I get him going. He, he doesn't walk. He doesn't run very fast. He's kind of slow, you know. Um, I finally get him out, and we're, like, past where the B area was, and we're walking, and I'm starting, like, the, I don't know, maybe the adrenaline's starting to wear off a little bit, but I'm starting to really hurt like i'm like oh my god i and I, I could i could hear the ambulance show up which means my wife called the ambulance and i tried calling her like a bunch of times no answer no answer and then my phone is like at like two percent i'm like well oh. th this is how it ends like i'm gonna have an allergic reaction in the woods dropped and i'm done you know like um but i do make it out and at one point i see the lights flashing and like i can see my wife like like her, you know, not silhouette, but like I could see her from afar and I'm trying to be like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like I'm trying to tell her because I know she's in probably pure panic and dealing with the baby. Like, and I'm limping out and they, they, 
they come up to me. They don't come that fast. They're kind of like waving to me like, hey, man, you know, like. How's it going, oh, yeah. Victor? <laughs> yeah. Come on up. It's only in our quarter of a mile. Come see us. Like in some ways, I'm like, shouldn't they be like running to me a little bit? But whatever. Um, son is freaking out. Um, and the first thing is to assess how he is. And somehow, and, and this is the part where, I don't know, you think a God above or whatever you believe in, because somehow he only got three stings from what we can count. Um, he took one in the like the side of the throat, which is Oof. especially if that was like allergic stuff, like if he was allergic, that would be bad. One in the back of the neck and then one on the foot. Um, my wife only had one, and I had, God knows, I got home and was counting like red spot. I, I stopped in like the, the, the low 20s. Um, they, they checked and me out. And Obi had none, so he hit par. <laughs> Obi, I don't know what he had. It's hard to tell because he has fur. So unless he like really swelled up, I don't really know how many he took. Yeah, he got a chubby butt anyway, so yeah. he might not be able to tell. Yeah, he's thick. Um, like so the like, were trying to sting him, and they just <laughs> bouncing off him. What the hell is this? It's this like, dog's made of rubber. Like hippo skin. <laughs> um, so they're like, do you want to go to the hospital? My son's freaking out at the ambulance. He's like, I just want to go in the car. I want to go in the car. And we're like, I don't know. We're talking to the EMTs. They're like, well, if the reaction happened, like it probably would have happened already. Like they said, it's in the first 15 minutes. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to go in that damn ambulance. I'm going to go sit in the ER for two hours, three hours. And they're going to be like, here's some Benadryl. Drink some water and here's some ice. You know what I mean? Like, So I'm like... I'm going to go home to see if I have any reaction and then I'll go, you know, right away to the emergency room. Thank God I didn't just giant red welts everywhere. Um, and you know, it took my son a good hour to calm down at home. Like he was just completely shook at one point. He's like, the Hornets, they're not nice. Hornets, not nice. Hornets, not nice. I'm like, no, you're right. They were not nice, man. Uh, wife is like, you know, tears in the eyes and just the experience. I'm like, even I had like, I don't know if you, if you ever been in like these adrenaline situations when it starts to wear off, like your emotions are everywhere. Like I'm like happy. I'm making jokes. Like then the next second I'm like getting teary eyed. The next second I'm in like pain. The next, like next second I'm looking at my dog. I'm like, okay, he's okay. Like just like scat. Like we were supposed to cast that night too. And I remember being like, Mike, I just got attacked by hornets, literally. Um, I don't think that's going to happen tonight. Uh, yeah, we were supposed to have a business call that night also, and uh, you loved how I I sent an email, and I just learned yeah. uh, the gentleman was like, maybe we'll announce it later. We'll see by the yeah. It's like, oh, can we schedule the Monday? I'm like, yeah, it's better off. Scott got attacked by a bunch of hornets. Yeah, yeah. But there was and no. I literally, yeah. send. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> There was no like massaging this situation. Mike's pretty much like, yeah, yeah it's about how Scott got attacked by Hornet. Like, yeah. I laughed like out loud. I'm like, Jesus, Mike, you, you, you didn't put it in any con. Like, yeah, he's yeah. okay. Or I'm not joking. Yeah. So I had to respond and be like, I know this sounds weird, but it's the truth. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, next, it's called an icebreaker, Scott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so next day, just pretty sore, um, pretty stingy. Um, and even to today, so this happened, what's today? Today is Monday, this happened on what? So 
five days later or whatever. Just very itchy, man. Just I feel like I just want to get one of those like cat pole things and just like rub my back against it. But long story short, thank freaking God. Um, nobody seems to be allergic like that. Um, nobody, you know, thank God above or whoever that if my son took these 25 bee stings or whatever it was, this could have been a whole different situation. You know what I mean? Like, this could have been deadly. You know, I don't want to get too dramatic. This could have been, like, get to the hospital immediately type of situation. Um, I don't know, maybe just because I'm bigger. Um, I I generally don't have, like, big reactions to mosquito bites and stuff, whereas, like, my wife gets, like, she gets a bite and it just, like, swells up. Like, thankfully, it wasn't her. Um, and we're all here. We're all here to talk about it. And I'm here to to, to, to back to podcasting again. You know, I, I like how you uh, kind of point out that I, I don't want to brag, but you know, I'm so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, My, yeah just... I'm comparing myself <laughs> to a two year old. <laughs> I'm I'm big like that way. I get it, Scott. You played linebacker in the NFL for a couple years. Gotcha. I did. All it was, right. It was yeah. a cup of coffee. You know, Broncos. Yeah, no, no big I mean. Deal. Yeah, to sniff in the XFL, try to continue that career, but uh, you know, then you end the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, everybody's okay. We're okay. Uh, but yeah, one ha- so we go from slug sex one week. Must have pissed that uh, the insect world off because they uh, they came at me hard this week. They came at me really pretty damn hard. <clears throat> the bees, the bees did not mm. like me. Well, I mean. Like how bad of an experience was it? And all would you? Is there anything that you would rather do? Well, why don't than, we? Why don't we hold on to that thought? Get to our oh, guest, okay. and then we'll talk about this right after our guest. Um, because that's a teaser. Yeah, yeah. Because we are. Uh, we're gonna get to our guest now. Um, I'm sure these guys. They're from the south. They probably dealt with some good B stories in their day. Mm-hmm. Um. So we're joined by two comedians, uh, two authors now. Um, they do really great uh, sketches. They have a really big following. So tonight we have Trey Crowder and Corey Ryan Forrester on the show. Um, these guys, um, you might know them as the Progressive Hillbillies. They have a very, very great sense of humor. Um, they just released a book called Round Here and Over uh, Over Yonder, a front porch travel guide by two progressive hillbillies. Yes, that's a thing. Um, and it's a really fun book. It's a really easy book to read. Um, I think I mentioned in, in the interview that you can kind of pick the book up anywhere. Uh, just like look up, okay, here's a state that I want to check out or whatnot. Very funny. Two very funny gentlemen. So without further ado, let's get Trey Crowder and Corey Ryan Forrester on the podcast. Ten, nine, eight, seven, Partnership right there. That's right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What's up? Trey, what's up? Corey, hey, how's it going? Corey informed us that you were going to be in the room within 30 seconds, and he was dead on. He's like, write down the five seconds, and you popped in. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that was me. That well, that is a partnership right there. <laughs> so I never know what Scott's doing, so don't ask me. Yeah. No. But, uh, yeah, if he's not on time or, or early, then I know he has forgotten and will not be here unless I uh, call him and manage to get a hold of him. Yeah. He's either early or he ain't coming unless he's close enough to show up. That is true. 
So, Trey, Corey, first of all, thank you guys for giving us a few minutes here. We appreciate the uh, time. We appreciate the books. We got the book the other day. Uh, been, been checking yeah. that out, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, appreciate y'all having us, guys. Absolutely. Um, it, it was cool. Um, so I guess my first question for you guys is, you, you both come from kind of comedic backgrounds, uh, whether it's stand-up, writing sketches. What it, how does that translate to, to forming like a, like a comedy duo? Like what, what is the main difference is like, you know, you go from creating your own stuff, your own craft, and then having to, to work with a partner. How, like, is that hard at first and it just kind of happened naturally? What was the genesis of that? Well, when it comes to writing a book, it's easier because you only have to write half of one. You know, that's how we figured it. Uh, that's really the only reason we decided to do it together. We're not actually even friends. You know? <laughs> no, that obviously that is not true. But yeah, I mean, we do do we do do things on our own. But uh, I started stand up just a little bit before Trey, and it was just one of those situations where the first time I saw him and the first time he saw me, it was like, oh my God, there's there's another person kind of doing it the same way I am. Like, I, I, did, I didn't know anybody that was doing that, and, and I'd say that he felt the same. And there was just that instant connection of just like, well, I mean, it would it would be insane if we didn't write things together since we have so much in common and our interests are going in the same direction, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't know how much, like, nuts and bolts you're trying to get into, but for us generally, like, so I've heard some people that work on things together, like, literally sit in a room together or, in our case, sit on Zoom together with, like, a dock open and, like, write it concurrently. Like, there's no, I could never do that. And, I, you know, Corey feels the same way. Uh, a lot of other people do what we do, which is, like, We'll talk about things together, and then, you know, one of us goes off and, and does, even whether it's a sketch, if there's just, when we've written sketches, like if the sketch was his idea, we, you know, all in a room together sort of pitch jokes for it and how it could go and whatnot, but then once we have an or same thing with sitcom pilots, but once there's like an outline, he would go write the sketch, or I would go write the sketch, or I would go write the chapter, and he would, that kind of thing. When you guys are first getting into comedy, like being... Yeah, like, it's the ongoing story. You guys have Southern voices, but you're liberal, and you have different backgrounds and stuff like that. Do you always get the feeling like people are waiting for you to be like, ah, it was just a gag all along, or this is my character, or something to that effect? I mean, I, at first, I got that. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I got that. You know, I first, like, went... Uh, viral with that whole thing in 2016. It was like seven years ago, and I still get comments from people not buying it. They usually, typically, and this makes me matter, really, because I'm from Clay County, Tennessee, uh, and this is how I talk or whatnot. Usually, they default to thinking that I'm some like New York City coastal liberal who's faking the accent, you know, okay. and pretending to be a redneck, as opposed to thinking I'm faking like the progressivism or whatever. Uh, and I've gotten that the whole time, and I still do get it, but, you know, um, people that, like, actually dig my shit or whatnot, I'd like to think at this point that I realize, like, oh, he really, uh, as, you know, he really isn't ever going to drop the act, huh? He's just going to keep being like this, because it's just how I am. But yeah, yeah it's a thing. Especially because we found over the past couple of years that the real money is going in the opposite direction. So if we were going to drop the act anytime soon, we would have already done it and cashed out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, got, I got that. I got that specific one the other day, which was I put up a video and someone was like, 
I'm from the particular region in Georgia and where Corey's from, and that's not how people talk at all. Yeah. And I asked them where they were from, and they named a place in Georgia that ain't even close to where I'm from. But also, like, it, 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 it's so it's so irritating to have been mocked for these accents for years and then have people come in and go, that's not even your accent. Our buddy, rest in peace, but our buddy, Cousin Ricky Peard, the comedian, used to always say, who would fake this shit? Uh, <laughs> Now, well, I've been living in Douglasville for five years, so I can tell you, I, I'm on to you. I'm telling you. I'm going to drive up two hours one of these days and then point it out. Oh, Douglasville, Georgia? Corey, yeah. you, get, you used to sell motorcycles in Douglasville and say, you know, buying some chick or had a pill hookup. Usually, if somebody tells Corey, I'm from blank Georgia, he's got some insane redneck anecdote about that place. Uh, so I'm kind of stunned right now. Douglasville not bringing anything to mind. Now, that dude, I'm sure that I did bang a chick from Douglasville, but we just weren't in Douglasville when it happened, so I wouldn't, uh, you know. Yeah, I used to, you know, I used to bar hop and, and sell motorcycles and, uh, you know, ran with a uh, you know, shady crew from time to time, but, uh, no, Douglasville not uh, not bringing any. I mean, I know where Douglasville is. We probably, I'm sure that we got beat by them in the state playoff one year. I'm certain of that. Maybe you guys can help me figure out the conundrum of my co-host here, okay, and his accent, okay? Because what you're hearing, you might be like, okay, he kind of has a, a southern drawl to him or, or something. But what if I told you the man is from New Jersey? Oh, wait, hold on. I got it. Are you are you trash? Depends <laughs> <laughs> um, on the day, I would assume. Yeah. No, um, the answer is, I mean... I've told the story enough times. Like any time I talk, like a teacher or somebody that meet me for the first time, I'll be asking them a question, or whatever, and I see that stare. And they're like, "Let me ask you something." And I'm like, "Stop it! Give me a guess of what state I'm from." And they get Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, yeah. Texas, Oklahoma. <laughs> I got everything. The answer is Pennsylvania, for the record. So people go Pennsylvania on me. Right. I was. Oh, okay. Like, so you're from Pennsylvania, the middle part. Yeah. No, by Philly, Morrisville. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, you're back to not knowing. Yeah. I was going to say, you definitely don't look like somebody uh, from Jersey. Like, you you definitely look like one of our people. That's why I'm talking about. You know, I've been fitting in. I'm actually a spy from the North. I have to tell you guys, you know. <laughs> you, you know what else it could be, Tori? And I, and I hate to ask, you know, yeah. so, but you can tell me because it's, it's in both of our families. But uh, are you, you a pill head? You ever been a pill head? Because that also apparently does it to people. Uh, you guys remember uh, Aaron Rodgers got hurt real bad a few years oh, ago in a game against the Bears. And he went and and time. Yeah, I know, I know. I've, apparently that just happened tonight, too. Well, if they shoot him up the field and he comes back and wins the game, when they interview him after the game, he will, for some reason, have like a southern <laughs> accent out of nowhere because because a southern, our accent is a side effect of opioids, evidently. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, no drugs uh, in the background, get drunk, but uh, yeah. I'm sober right now, and it's spinning out like this. So I don't know what to tell you. Man, yeah, I got no guesses. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you, is there some sacred answer that you're hiding from the world? And us I and tell the world. Just, that's just I, how you talk. I came from Pennsylvania. I lived in Jersey all my life. Jersey plus Pennsylvania apparently equals Dukes of Hazard. That's what I tell people. It just, <laughs> it just happened, and... And it, when it came down here, most people are just like, you're from the north, aren't you? I'm like, son of a bitch, I can't figure this right. out. 
I've got one buddy, and it's my buddy Robbie, and Trey knows him, and he's weird because he grew up around us. Everybody in his family has a redneck accent, and Robbie has literally never had an accent whatsoever, and it's always been insanely interesting, and I never understood it, and now I found I find another person whose accent doesn't match their region, so I guess yeah. it's a very small uh, margin of people, but you and my buddy Robbie are saying I mean, some people feel just though. like that, like when I'm... Like, in my hometown, there's people who just never seem to have that. My buddy, I got two people from my graduating class, like, made it out of our hometown, or the region where we grew up, and me, and the other one is a rocket scientist, he's a nuclear physicist, and he was Bubba. You know, now he's Dr. Bubba. But, yeah, and, uh, we had, like, three Bubbas in my high school, and one of them was a goddamn rocket scientist. Now, you know, one of the other three is dead, and the third one drives a truck, so, you know, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. But he's, uh, yeah, Dr. Bubba, and he's never had any kind of accent, really. Um, so, I don't know. It just happens to some people. His parents are not from there, though. What about that? You know, also, for the record, I don't really, you don't sound super Southern to me, but you do not at all sound... Jersey, Jersey, yeah. or Philly-ish or nothing either. You got kind of a, you know, it's a nice voice. It's good radio yeah, voice. <laughs> Oak and baritone going on over there. <laughs> now, let me ask you guys. I know I was reading kind of on your bios, and you, you I, I know, like, Corey, you started staying up pretty early, open mic. But, but what is your background, like, as far as, as your entrance into, into the comedic world? Were, were you just two guys that were interested in and did it? Did you have, like, theater backgrounds or any kind of performing in you, or you just stepped on the stage one day? I did do, like, whenever there was any type of church plays, you know, I went to church when I was a kid. I definitely always had a knack for theatrics. I mean, I, I told my parents that I wanted to get into comedy when I was five. Now, I, at that time, to me, that meant Saturday Night Live. That's what, you right. know what I mean? And the reason was, me and Trey have talked about this a million times, I didn't think, we didn't think you were allowed to do stand-up unless you were from, like, New York or California. You know what I mean? Like, so, and then, you see, Jeff Fox wrote it, this whole thing. For me, it was, I was always making people laugh, and then, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep this very brief because it could be sad, but my father, lost both, my father lost both of his parents in a very short span of time, and he was just checked out, you know, like, it really destroyed him. And my mom decided we needed to take a vacation as a family and get away from it all. And on the way uh, to uh, the vacation, Dad put in a CD that one of his buddies had given him. And it was a CD of Tim Wilson, who was a very hilarious, probably my, was my number one icon in comedy because of this stand-up comedian. And for the first time in I can't tell you how long, I saw my dad, like, laugh like a maniac and, like, Again, I'd already wanted to do comedy, and from that moment on, I was like, okay, that's the particular brand I want to do. And then from then on, me and Dad stayed up, you know, watching Leno. If there was ever a comedian on, I got to stay up a little bit later. If it was a singer, I had to go to bed. But, you know, that was just sort of our code. Uh, and it's funny you say that because that's like within the comedy world, dude comics especially, that's uh, it's almost a cliche, uh, yeah. some some version of that story with your dad. Because I, I, it's the same thing for me, at least that part of it. Like my my dad owned the video store in my hometown, a very, very, very small hometown. So, you know, Crowder's Video, the converted single wide trailer. Uh, so I grew up in a video store, which was rad. I mean, I loved it, but all I ever wanted to do was show business shit, but also made really good grades. I was like the smart kid in my class. No one in my family ever graduated from college. So I went to college first to get like a degree where I wouldn't have to wait tables while I was trying to be a comedian. And, but I knew I wanted to do stand-up the whole time. I didn't. So I started when I was like 23 after I got out of grad school 
but the whole time throughout high school and college, I knew that I was going to do it when I got to a city with a comedy club and whatnot. But I wanted to do movies to do show business shit growing up in my dad's place. But when I was 12, 1998, me and my dad watched Chris Rock Bigger and Blacker together on HBO. And he was, uh, my dad was um, a single father. And that's the special where Chris Rock does all that stuff about, you know, nobody gives a fuck about daddy. All daddy gets a big piece of chicken, that yep. old chunk, which yep. was like an all-timer. And my dad was just like, you know, losing his mind at that whole thing, just absolutely loving it. And, you know, like Corey said, that was the first time I was like, uh, it kind of crystallized into comedy specifically. I was like, that would be sweet. Then I became a huge comedy nerd and then started taking notes, listening to shit, reading books, doing just doing all that, you know, over the next 10 years until I started myself. When you were creating this book and picking the cities, I'm kind of curious, were you more excited by going to the city and finding it wasn't matching a quote-unquote stereotype, or was it, was it almost good if it's like, oh, my God, it's, it's, this town is 80% what everybody thinks it is? Well, for the record, when we first went to basically all of these places except for the U.K., we had already been there doing stand-up, you know what I mean? And so the first time for us, like, we didn't give it that. We were excited to be in every single city because we were on a tour that was selling out, and that was our dream. So the first time we went to every city was magical. It was only upon going back to some for the second or third time that it started to wear off, and you're like, I mean, I guess we'll go there. You know what I mean? But like, uh, no, I mean, I do, I do love it when a place lives up to the stereotype or the hype. But I also am equally as big a fan as when you get somewhere and you're like, oh, this ain't what they said at all. Like for, for me, like I, I lived in New York for like a year. Everybody told me that New York was nothing but, you know, murderers and drug dealers and dickheads. And uh, everyone was super nice to me. Like, it didn't go, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, everybody was busy and stuff like that, but nobody went out of their way to be an asshole. I found some of the friendliest people I'd ever met in Queens, New York. You know, working class place. I actually, like, I had to convince a group of gentlemen at a bar in Queens that they were, in fact, rednecks. Uh, because they had every single quality of it. They just yeah. didn't have my accent, you know what I mean? So that was one of my first interactions of like, oh, man, every, like we, everywhere's different, but we're all the same at the same time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Meanwhile, every time I, I love New York, every time I go there within two hours, I'm screaming at somebody to go fuck themselves on the, on the sidewalk. Like it just, without even thinking about it or meaning to it. And I'm so not that guy either, but something about, it just happens every time I go to New York. So, uh also, you said, it, oh, this place is 80% where everybody thinks it is. In my opinion, and the ratio varies from place to place, but most places are at least some majority percentage exactly what everybody says, or, you know, what everybody says they are, and then some other percentage of like, oh, that's surprising, and that's a little different, except for Florida, which is 98% what everybody says. <laughs> I was thinking for 99%. I've never been to Florida and not had a super Florida-y experience, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's always some Florida shit in Florida, and I respect them for that, too. Like, I love that about Florida. <laughs> Before you said that, I was actually going to say, I think Portland and Florida both are like 110. Portland, yeah, that's you know a good I mean? one. Like, yeah. it's like like, they are exactly what, you know, you know, I mean, I guess, like, yeah, every time you go to Florida, someone's not going to ride up on a golf cart with an alligator on the back that they've trained to bite people so they can steal their purse. Like, I know it won't happen every time, but, like, you know, it, it, but it, it very much... But it could happen. It could <laughs> happen. Um, so, so I'm curious, like, uh, you know, you guys growing up in, in more rural areas and, you know, 
head during stand-up. Was there any was there any stand-up scene for you? And you know, the, if there wasn't, is that what kind of made you enter into to, to creating videos and schedule? Was that just a another outlet to at least be funny yeah. and be seen? Well, videos, live thing I started. Yeah, but so he grew up. We're both from really, really small towns, but his small town is like 15 minutes outside Chattanooga, Tennessee, which okay. has a comedy club and everything. I'm from like the literal middle of nowhere in the state of Tennessee. My hometown's two plus hours away from Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Lexington, Kentucky. Right. It's like right dead in the middle of them. Nothing there at all. Even the college I went to, which I mentioned earlier, it, there was no. No comedy club, no open mics, really. Like, not even like poetry mic- nights or whatever when I was in college. And that's why I didn't start until I got out and I moved to Knoxville where there was a comedy club. But I did, um, I did like theater and plays and shit. I mean, my buddies used to do improv in our basement. We'd film it. I'd, uh, we had buddies in like Afghanistan and Iraq from a small town. We'd make like sketch videos, like a little like a videotape of like our own little SNL type shit, such as super low rent, you know, teenage garbage. But we'd make those and mail them to our buddies in Iraq and shit. So I was always doing that kind of stuff. But uh, but there was no stand-up whatsoever. But as soon as I moved to Knoxville, I started doing it. And that was in 2010, and I didn't start doing videos until 2016, huh. you know. Okay. Um, so I was doing stand-up for like six years before, before any of that. Yeah, and for me, it was making videos was even later than, than Trey. I mean, like I said, I, I started doing stand-up in the George Bush administration, and I think YouTube had just become a thing, mm-hmm. but, like, I, 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 the, the way that I was taught, like, I'm doing, I'm 16, but I'm learning from all these 40- and 50-year-old dudes, because they came up in the 80s, so, like, I very much learned comedy by way of how it was in the 80s, so for me, it was just like, I don't need any of that shit, it's just... You go, you, you kick ass as an MC, then somebody will let you open for them, yep. and then you can see the city opening, and you slowly get fans, and then you're a headliner, and that's, you know, that's how that goes. Um, now, I will say, we, me and my buddy, too, did, like, you know, some sketches and stuff, just goofing off and having fun, but, like, I don't know, it, 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 like, it was just, it was just having fun. I never, I never yeah. thought about it. I mean, I did. You know, before Trey even made his video and we started making videos, we definitely had all in our group talked about it'd be awesome if we could do a sketch show. Right. <laughs> you know, we all we all wanted to do that. But my primary focus was stand-up. But uh, Trey changed my life. And then the secondary thing that got me into videos was it was a pandemic. And there was – there was like, you couldn't get it out any other way. Like, I've been, I've been entertaining almost – you know, in, I don't know, 250 days a year for like 16 years. And I was like, I gotta, I'm losing my mind. So mm-hmm. that was bad. So I'm curious, uh, um, as you guys are, you know, you're doing stand-up now, videos, and, and now writing books, uh, podcasts, podcasts, or not, mm-hmm. those later muscles, uh, you know, going from stage to, to video, to even like sitting down and have the, you know, the, the, length to write a book and the focus to write a book, was that a struggle for you guys or did it seem to kind of all snowball naturally for you? Um, uh, I can definitely tell you the, the biggest struggle of writing a book, and I want people to know this, uh, it, it, it's in, uh, for us at least, it's insanely harder to be funny with prose, you know what I mean? Like so much of our humor comes from how, like, stand-up comedy is all about timing, sure. you know what I mean, and how you say it, not what you say, and in a book, that's completely taken away from you, so it's always a little bit 
more of a struggle. Trey had it worse than me, though, because as soon as they told us we were, <laughs> as soon as they told us we were getting the money to do the book, I found out that I was going to be a dad. So I said, you know what? I'm not touring. I'm going to focus exclusively on this book. Yep. My man stayed on the road heavy, so it was definitely harder for him. Yeah, the book, the other things, like, again, we've had, you know, network sitcom pilots and, like, sketches for Comedy Central and things like that. Those are all, I love all that shit. And I find, I don't like, like, the note process. Everything can kind of suck with the deal with executives. It's cliche, but it's true. Everybody knows that. It's in the in the game and all. And it is a pain in the ass. But, like, I, I love everything about that whole process. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it came naturally, uh, naturally, naturally to me in as far as, like, oh, I was, I was just killing it. You know, I don't mean that. I just mean, like, it wasn't hard because I did feel like, you know, the... Uh, the skills are like transferable. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people in a lot of stand ups get into TV or whatever else. Yep. But a book, yeah, that's it is different because of what Corey said. And also, I've got a thing in me as a comic where I'm writing a book and it's like I feel like there has to be something that's at least supposed to be funny every like, yep. you know, every few lines or whatever. When it's like, and that may not necessarily be the best thing to do when you're, you know, writing a book or whatnot. But uh, so the book is. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how Corey feels, but I think it's probably like the hardest thing <laughs> out yeah. of all the out of all the various things. I still, writing I a book, I think, is the hardest is the hardest to do. I'd rather write a script or uh, you know a new hour or any of the other shit than a book. Now, it, it, no, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying it wasn't the hardest thing. I th- I do enjoy it. I you know I enjoy the challenge or whatever. But like, yeah, like. Hats off to the people like, you know, Stephen King who puts out like 10 a year or something like that. I don't know how they do Also, it. they're making it up. Dude, yeah, I'm Marvel. I, you know, I, I, I like to read, and, and I read fiction. I don't read, you know, high-brow high, my, high shit. I read mostly stuff with dragons and wizards and shit. <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> speed. Aliens, love alien shit. That's my speed. But I just marvel at the people who, like, write books eight times bigger than ours, filled entirely with shit that they just made up. But it's also like, everybody says, write what you know. Every script I've written is at least somewhat kind of close to my life. It's set in Tennessee. There's characters in it based off my sister or my mom or whatever, that type of thing. Most people do that. But these motherfuckers that, like, <laughs> make up a Narnia filled with, like, whole-ass creatures they just invented whole cloth just do, and then, like, that shit is wild to me, dude. So my, my hat goes off to them majorly because that's, that's something else. That's a high-functioning uh, high imagination out there. I will say this, though. Like when Trey said that, we, you know, because we're primarily comedians, we feel like, you know, there has to be a punchline every other sentence. Um, there's honestly not many better feelings, though, than when you've completed a book. Like, it's all oh, yeah. Cause it, cause that, and then going back and reading it, like, in my opinion, now, obviously, I'm going to say this because I want people to buy our book, but, like, we did that. Like, it's a really joke-heavy, funny fun. book that I'm proud of. Uh, I hope y'all feel the same way. It's fun. Thank I'm you. Enjoying it. And that's so, what we wanted to do was do something fun because we feel like people need escapism, and that goes for us, too. We needed to just yeah. do something that was like, let's do a fun thing. Well, one of the things Corey said was, like, oh, I love you know, have the, when the book is done, there's like a saying. I think it's with actors. I'm not sure. It's like actors love acting, writers love having written. Yeah. Or maybe it's like painters love painting, writers love whatever it is. The second one is writers love having written. Yeah. And I very much feel that way. Like having being done with a thing. Yeah. That's the best. And yeah. it and it yeah. is a thing. 
It makes you want to pull your fucking head out. For sure. But that feeling of being done, it is, like, it does make the whole process worth it. Like, it's a feeling unlike anything I could really describe to someone. Like, when you when you tackle that task, and then you go back and read it, and you're proud of it. And, like, I think it's, and I, like, I already want to do another one, but I think that writing a book releases the same hormones in your brain that having a baby does to a woman. Uh, you know, where, like, they say that when a woman gets pregnant, there's these hormones that release that make her forget how painful the birthing process was. Otherwise, no one would ever uh, uh, <laughs> have another baby. And I also, think it's for people that write books. Yeah, yeah you hold it inside it. yourself for yeah. months at yep. a time, then you yep. have to you put it out into the world and let yep. it go be itself. And, you know, there's things. So, yeah, having a, writing a book is exactly like being a pregnant woman. I'm going to tell, yeah, gonna tell that to my wife before you can get another one going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if it's not good, everybody thinks it's your fault, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> it is. Right, yes. Do uh, I got anything else for that? We got it. Okay. Bag <laughs> it enough. I like it. Uh, specifically for you, Corey, uh, what, who is the inspiration for your promos for the Buttercream Dream out of curiosity? Is there a wrestler in particular? There's a couple, yeah. Um, it's definitely, uh, like, the actual delivery is an amalgamation of Ric Flair, uh, Dusty Rhodes, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. There's a little bit, you know, and there was probably more. I think when I first started, there might have been a little more Macho Man in there until I kind of just kind of like found my voice, you know. It's just like every other video I make a tweak or whatever. Um, so that's like for the actual voice and the style or whatever. But like the one of my main inspirations just overall is another wrestler, Mick Foley, because he's the one that inspired me to, like, hey, you can do other things, too. Like, you can do this Buttercream Dream, but you can create other characters, too, that all live in these different universes. Uh, and I have to admit, now I've added a little Jeff Jarrett to the Buttercream Dream, sort of, not in delivery, but in sort of the way he moves and stuff. So, Very uh, underrated. Yeah, Very I agree, dude, I, he's literally one of the best wrestlers in the game today, right now. Uh, in his 50s, he's in better shape than hardly anybody. He's went and he and you know what? It takes a big man to say this because Jeff Jarrett, as some of you may know, hit me in the head with a guitar, uh, completely unprovoked. Uh, but I will. But game recognized game. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of those dudes, uh, you know, mixed together just from my childhood. So I'm curious. I, I asked just pretty much every artist or every band we have on here. Um, I'm curious when it comes to stand up, you know, also being a comic, how how you guys prefer to um, create material or write material. Are you a, a pen to paper guy, then try it on stage, like, or are you a have an idea, gonna flush it out on stage kind of guy, or are you a little bit of both? What, what's your what's your strategy? Uh, so, this, like, we vary, we we differ, and I feel like there's basically two kinds, and it seems like nowadays most of them, most comics it seems like are the second kind, uh, but I'm not. I've always been like, I, I'm i going to bring something to the stuff, unless I get on stage and something happens or I go up on a tangent or, I mean, you know, that shit happens, but if you're talking about, like, a bit, like I've got an idea for a bit, yep. I'm going to, like, put together some kind of version of it in my head first, and then go up there and try that out. Right. And, you know, see how it goes, see if I think it's got legs or whatever, and then modify it and try it again. Whereas a lot of guys, and I know Corey is kind of like this, and, and this is wild to me because I just don't work that way. But they'll just have, like, just an idea, 
and just go up there on stage and just start talking about whatever their idea is and find it on stage and do that repeatedly. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I like to feel like, okay, I'm bringing you something tonight. You know, you might you might not like it. Hopefully you do, whatever. But, like, I've, you know, I've come up with something for this premise. But mo- most comics, I think, are not like that nowadays. There's only a handful of us out there, I believe. I, speaking of handful, I've got a handful of bits that were, like, I, I, start, I jotted down the idea and then kept going and then kind of did write it out all the way. Uh, it's yep. very rare for me, but I don't. It's not like I just go up there with an idea. I have. Here's my rule: is I, if I have the premise and I have one punchline, then I'll try it. You know what I mean? And the reason is like that's got to wear on that. If the yeah, if the premise is engaging enough to get people to be like, oh man, I, oh yeah, that is something that we do, or that's an interesting take on this, and then I've got at least one really good punchline. I know I've got a way to get out. You know what I mean? Yep. So my goal is bring up the premise, uh, improv, I've, and, I'm, and I'm sure that I've got ideas in my head. It's just there's no point in me putting it on paper. And then if it's going really well, I keep I wait to say the big punchline. And if it's kind of like I feel like I'm losing, go ahead and say the punchline. And then after that's over, I go backstage and write down the things I said that worked. You know what I mean? And then like so now the next time I go, it's got it's got more. But I would never. I would never go and not have at least the punch for the start in the beginning. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, I'm pretty good in the middle of ranting and yada yada. But that's 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 where I'm at. Like it's a lot of that. I'd say I'm closer to you, Corey. It's like yeah. you got to have at least a direction. But I found that when the ones that I sit there and write out, I don't know. It just never seems like. They don't seem as good as some sometimes. I don't know. They seem too well, rote and rehearsed. Well, I don't. I don't like. I don't sit down and type, uh, I don't write it like I write a book or whatever, I I mean in my, my head, or I'll right. think it through or whatever, and I have, yeah, like bullet points, like, here's the overall premise, that's that's a take, that's a take, yep. that's a take, you know, or a joke or whatever, and I just kind of had that in my head and go up there and do it, I don't like write myself a script yep. that yep. I then go up there and uh, perform, however, like, you know, touring a lot, if I got a bit that's working and I do it repeatedly, I mean, it'll end up being... Yep. You know, pretty much like this is the way this goes. Oh yeah, yeah. that's where I try to get it too. Um, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, like most of my stuff isn't written down. But like my special, for instance, if if you just told, if I just remembered my first joke, I could sit here and write out my entire act word for word because I did it so many times. Like you even you get so good at it that you know what to do to make it look like it's not rehearsed. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and this, I kind of stumble on the word and take, you know what I'm saying? Like, you always want it to look like you're kind of bullshitting a little bit. But sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm lazy is what it is, and Trey's not. Trey's ridiculous, <laughs> and I'm lazy. Yeah. Corey, Trey, we're, we're coming up on our time here. Um, first of all, thank you guys for, for joining us. I'm very excited for you guys and, and the book. And tell us a little bit about the book, Round Here and Over Yonder, Front Porch Travel Guide for, by Two Progressive Hillbillies. Uh, when is it coming out? Where can people get it? Where's the best place for them to go uh, see all things that are going on with YouTube? Sorry, go ahead. 
Okay. <laughs> um, you're the salesman. Yeah, yeah, you're right, baby. The book comes out September 19th. You can get it wherever you get books. Uh, or you can get it at TreyCrowder.com or CoreyRyanForrester.com. And while you're doing that, you can also check out Trey's tour dates. You can check out our podcast, Putting On Airs. You can check out the myriad of things that we do. But the book will be coming out September 19th. And I would like to say this to everybody. If you've enjoyed uh, if you've enjoyed how we sound, if you if you dig our voices, uh, we narrated the audio book. And I don't know if book companies get mad when you say, hey, we think it'd be better if you did this. But, like, I would rather, I think I'd rather you get the audio book. <laughs> All right. Get them both. Get them both. Get them both and, have, like, have one so that we can sign it and so that you can read along while you're listening to us. Because yeah, uh, by two copies. If you're on Audible, you get a credit every month. So, like, mm-hmm. just use that credit to get our audio book. Um, because, you know, I do, I do think, A, I think written, it is hilarious. But, of course, you want to hear us. Uh, say it. And we do a really good job and our editor, can I say this, first off, our book agent, Amy Hughes, and our editor especially, Bessie Gant, deserve all the love in the world. Bessie specifically because um, she, we tend to write out things phonetically the way that we want people to read them. In other words, we spell a bunch of stuff wrong, right? Uh, because you have to. When you're people that sound like us and the joke hinges on you saying the word like that, uh, and she's gotten so good at knowing when something isn't a typo, you know what I mean? They'll be like, hey, I think they missed that. No, it's like, no, that's how they say it. Just spell it like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a, it's a super fun travel guide. Um, you know, if you've been to some of these places, you're going to be like, oh, hell yeah. Uh, if you're from some of these places, you're going to be like, what? Uh-uh. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? And um, if you haven't been there, it provides so many good tips for your travel. And the U.K. portion, I mean, it's rednecks abroad. What's not to love? It is. Yeah, good. you know, everybody's pissed off and upset about everything all the time now, and I am too. We all are. But so this one, and we contributed to that with the first book we wrote in 2016. It was very much in that wheelhouse. This time around, we wanted it to be more like uh, an escape from all that. It's uh, it's just funny. It's, you know, joke-heavy, like you said. It's a light-hearted uh, romp in a collection of essays that hopefully, you know, uh, has some insights into the various regions of this country and also done with love, but mostly to make you laugh. So that's what I would say. If that sounds good, check it out. The book is fantastic. It's also cool because you can kind of pick it up at any you know, yeah, any spot of the book. Which is good. good. Corey, write that down. When you, yep. when you, that, put that on the list. Like I just, that. right before we got on, I checked out Bur- Burlington, Vermont, because I've been there a bunch of times. you got a pretty damn accurate on yeah, that one. Um, guys, good stuff there. I'm writing down. <laughs> Guys, good luck with the book. Good luck with everything you got going on, and hopefully we'll have you on in the future when you get your next project coming up. Well, Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Mike Trey Crowder, Corey Ryan Forrester. I like that even even our southern friends now could not figure out you. They could not figure out your what what you are. I, I like how the the second suggestion is maybe I do too many drugs. That was, uh, you know, I've been thinking. I'm kind of like that's cute. I've been thinking that for a long time. Maybe you haven't told us about your your raging drug habit. I mean, there's nothing I'm aware of that I'm <laughs> taking. I mean, I'm saving a ton of money if I'm doing hardcore drugs because my bank account's the same. So, <laughs> if, if you if you had to pick a drug that's not you you can't take marijuana because that's mm-hmm. like that's like whatever you know. 
yeah. and no alcohol. But you had to like be like, what drug am I going to go give give a whirl to? Now, neither of us are big drug guys. Uh, no. People probably listen to this and like, what the hell are they on most weeks? Mm. Um, like the slugs, they, they were probably like, okay, these guys are on a ton of like MDMA or Molly or something like that. But yeah. Um, what would you go with? Like, if you were like, okay, you, you're, you're going to try it. I think I would do, I've talked about this before. I would do like inhalants, kind of like sniffing glue, <laughs> something to the effect because you get the high. Uh-huh. There's no way it can show up on the drug test. Okay. So you can't lose your, I mean, you're, you'll probably eventually lose your job sniffing glue too much, but it's like, yeah, go ahead. Here's my piss. Take it. And they're like, we didn't even talk to you about it. I can't believe with all these amazing drugs and pill, you would just go right to like the old Elmer's bottle and just, just, you know, you're old school. Uh, Again, it's cost savings. (laughs) You could use it. You could use it it afterwards. Afterwards, I have protection. (laughs) Like I said, you want you want pee test? Here you go. Find that rubber cement in there. Go ahead. I dare you. <laughs> That's how they'll catch me. You know, I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to, I'm not supposed to put rubber cement down there. That's why I can't pee. Yeah. I, I think I would have to go with, with shrooms, which nowadays people, they talk about it like it's like taking vitamins, like, um, because it's so common. People are microdosing all the time and having the tripping. I've never, I've never tripped in my life. Um, so I would love, I feel like that would be nice to know what that's like at some point. I'm just a little bit too much of a control freak for for drugs. Like I feel like I just want to know that I can be done with it. Yeah, I don't know if I could ever do shrooms because. Uh, oh my god! All your cause... all your imaginary friends would come out. The freaking oh my god! Oh, the penguin and the oh, the all the Holly the octopus. Yeah, they would Willy. All, they'd all be like, "Hello, Michael. <laughs> Fight, we've been waiting for you." See, that's the thing, because like I once in a while get night terrors, mm-hmm. and I just feel like something in my brain. If I do shrooms, they're gonna bring <laughs> me to a place. And it's a place I don't want to go, and I'm going to be there for a few hours, and it's not going to be kosher. You know, the more you talk, the more your inner Charlie Kelly from Always Sunny comes out. Really? I, I would just sniff glue. I have night terrors. I get imaginary friends. Um, <laughs> What's your spaghetti policy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something there that I think maybe you guys are akin. Akin? Yeah. Like Maybe it could be like, Charlie's lost cousin. I mean, maybe I can. I, I just got to go to like a Phillies game. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you guys are here. What are the odds? <laughs> I'm just going to randomly talk about my life now. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can see. I mean, they brought his sisters into the equation this year. So, uh, by the way, always sunny. Great season, man. Uh, I know we're a little off of that, you know, a couple weeks, but great comeback season for Sonny. Uh, nice eight episodes, hilarious, kind of back to the roots. Um, yeah, go go check that out. <laughs> yeah, they they always had that roller coaster where they'll be on a roll, and then all of a sudden you'll get that one season where you're like, ah, yeah, like, yeah. There's been a like couple you have stinkers. Like yeah. Two out of eight, and then you're like, now now I gotta have this taste in my mouth for another year until I get another eight episodes. Yeah, I mean, I never feel like they. <laughs> They never fail completely. There's always a couple 
really good ones per season. But I feel like this season really, I think there was only like one I didn't really like. I think the rest were hilarious. There's some really good gags in it too, a lot of throwback stuff. So, um, mm. yeah, good good to see those guys still going. Um, yeah. All right, so yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, me getting stung. Yeah, so, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, do you think that's like one of the worst experiences of your life? Um. It'd be hard not to put it there, right? It'd be hard not like de- depends how like existential we're getting here, right? Like, are we talking like you know the death of my grandma, or or are we talking like you know? Phys- I always talk about the death of your grandma. Yeah, I know. I've been asking. That's you, how we're friends for I, so long. I've been you're asking. Like, oh, you, thanks for cheering me up. I've been asking you to stop for nine years, but you're always like, "Hey, no." And I'm always nah. like, what, "What do you got tonight?" I bring I'm, back the classics. Yeah, I'm like, "You want to play a game or something?" And you're like, "No, I got something." And you're like, <laughs> "Remember when your grandma died?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> Casper Lou. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think she's doing now? Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I I guess I would put it up in the at least top ten, I guess is fair. Worst experience okay. of my life. Yeah, it was pretty pretty terrible. Yeah. All right. So I came up with a couple different scenarios. You don't I, I kinda that. wanted to see if you are able to say that's 10 times worse than the Hornets are really like, bring on the stings, okay? Okay, so I'm going to choose. I'm either going to go through the Hornet experience or what you're going to give me, which which I would rather, right. okay? All right. I'm ready. Scenario number one, spend a complete day in the dentist chair getting dental work. You know, you know me on this one. You know me. You really dug deep on this one because that one, mm-hmm. much like the dentist will do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm not a fan of the dentist. I've had several terrible experiences with the dentist. Um, the most recent one, <laughs> which is funny because the most recent one is like four and a half years ago, which was probably the last time I went to the dentist was when I ended up with the drill sitting on top of my tongue. Um, I'm sure that's somewhere on an episode um uh a day full of dental now here's how i have to look at it is the dental work benefiting me at least like maybe i'm oh yeah he's not just like straight out i'm ripping teeth out for the fun of it and then the other thing is i got i gotta think about time like terrible experience for whatever that was 15 20 minutes or a whole day of a terrible experience um Now let me ask you: Do I factor in my the fact that my child was there and wife and dog, or is it just my personal, like me getting lit up by hornets? I feel you have to take the complete moment, the complete experience, and live it again. Yeah, got it. Um, can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to take. I'll do the dental work. I'll do, I'll do the dental work. Um, at least I know it's. <laughs> beneficial right like they're fixing cavities or doing something you know like that i'm probably going to need eventually so i have to factor that and muscle through it um yeah and the hornet thing was pretty terrible so i'm going to take the dental work on on which is surprising myself actually okay wait on the phone for four hours for a customer representative i've been in this situation um listen, 
nowadays I can put my phone on speakerphone and go do other things, watch a show, go putz around on the internet, go pet my dog, do stuff. I'm not taking Hornets over over just waiting on the phone, you know? I, I, nope. I'll wait on the phone. That's fine. Okay. Judge a body odor contest. <laughs> Is it are those first off, one are those real contests? There has to be I didn't there, Google it. There but... has to be body odor contest. <laughs> Next week on Verbal <laughs> Shenanigans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right before our interview with a NASCAR <laughs> driver. <laughs> body odor contest. The effect of competition and methods of human body odor sampling. Um, I, I don't see anything right away from contest. Um, Copyright it. You know what? I'm thinking podcast wise. I would imagine me telling you that over the weekend I was the judge in a body odor competition. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, there's some stories on this show that have been like this Hornet story is a good one. Uh, me being a mattress model at mm. one point was a good one. Um, you almost getting a mail order bride, you know, good. I one. didn't. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now nah, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, or almost getting married in another country. You know, mm-hmm. um, these are epic stories. Um, so I, I will, I will also take the alter. I will be the judge in the body. You know what? I kind of. I kind of would do that if, if listen, if they were like, we'll pay you, like you know, give you, give you a little bit of money, and we'll feed you. I don't know, a day away from the kids and the wife. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> Speaking of one of our epic stories, it was later on my list, but I'll bring it up now. Okay, it hornets or relive my nightmare and do a school play in a gigantic toothbrush outfit with the entire stadium laughing at you. Oh, it's still one of my maybe, maybe favorite stories. Yeah. Uh, Mike, <clears throat> long story short, was a – I don't remember. Wh- why were you a toothbrush game? What was the character? It was character? just one of those school plays where it's like, all right, there's – it's almost like SNL where it's like, here's a bit, here's a bit, here's a bit. Mm-hmm. So mine was – I'm a big toothbrush, and this girl is like a smiling teeth. And my parents basically got like a refrigerator box and uh, ramped it up to make it look like a toothbrush, but I could barely move. So I'm like shuffling up to the stage to say my lines with the entire audience laughing at me, trying to say my lines as the person next to me is laughing her butt (laughs) off, where I'm like elbowing her. To like freaking say her lines and then to top it off, I couldn't get off the stage, so I had to turn around and trust fall and let them catch me to get me off the stage. I'm a toothbrush. I'm a toothbrush. Like I just picture this musical. Man, if we were ever really famous and had like budgets, it would be recreating that in full play, like full costume. Yeah. Everything. Um I've bombed enough on stage where I'll take that guilty feeling, like that crappy, that was embarrassing feeling any day over getting hit by 25 Hornets or whatever it was. So, all right. So far, the Hornets, yeah. Hornets are staying yeah. stable right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, drive to Florida going no faster than 25 miles an hour the entire time. 
Oof. Now, if I had a a brain in the time, I would calculate just how many hours from New Jersey that is. Well, I'm 20 miles an hour. You're, you're probably talking like, what, three days at 20 miles an hour or something like that? I would say it's a good amount. I'm going to try bring up the old map quest and see Denville to Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how do you adjust for 20 miles? I guess just times it by three, well, you know it, right? Like, cause you're by aver- four. Yeah, averaging like 60 or 80. Something like that. So divide it. No, times it. I know math. Um, we're the math geniuses. We're doing math. Okay, well. Um, you know, here I think... Uh, here I think I might take the quick hornet stings instead of being in the car at 20 miles. Cause it, yeah. Can you just imagine being on those major highways as people are honking, yeah. throwing shit at you, like... The uh, it, road rage for for three days. So yeah, just to give you, a, I did Denville to Florida, and it says eleven hundred three miles. Okay. okay, so you divide that by like twenty five. Think so. Me no math too. Wait, why would you divide the amount of miles by twenty five? Or divide by four, I would say. So it would take you about 275 and three quarters hours. I don't know if that's correct math, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Nobody listens yeah. to our math skills. That's a yeah, guarantee. Yeah, I don't think that really works. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, what? how many hours does it say on the map quest? I mean. Or are you first off? The fact that we're using MapQuest is pretty great. Yeah, proud yep. sponsor yeah. of Verbal <laughs> Shenanigans podcast. Oh, that'd be awesome to have all the old. Hate using your phone. <laughs> yeah. Use yeah. How Eighteen many... hours and thirty-four minutes. All right. So basically, if you're saying, let's say you traveled an average of sixty miles an hour, mm-hmm. so just times that by three. So that would be 45 hours of 46 and a half hours, just mm-hmm. about. Yeah, and most of those you're traveling like 70, 80 going down. So you're probably talking, th- like I said, probably three full days of driving. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go get stung by hornets. Yeah. Ooh, finally <laughs> yep. got one on the board. Yep, yep, give me the hornets. Oh, all right. What, where did my page go? I got MapQuest all over. Yep. All right. you, close your Ask Jeeves tab. <laughs> And, uh... Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> All right. uh, let me uh, run after a chicken in an open field until you can catch it. Oh, that sounds fun. I'm, I'm not getting stung by hornets because I got to catch a chicken. Yeah, but how long are you going to be out there? That's an open field we're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, like, I'm getting that damn chicken. I'm I'm not going through physical pain. I'm going through mental anguish. But okay, um, unless the chicken is attacking me, which could be painful. But no, I'm, I'll, I'll chase that chicken all day to not get stung by hornets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take 10 slaps on the chest from Ric Flair. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I would volunteer to do that right yeah. now. If you were like, Scott, Ric Flair is going to chop you. Do you understand how great that would be? I mean, it'd be pretty painful, but yeah, it'd oh, be freaking awesome. Me and my friends used to have a chop contest in the pool. We used to swim in my parents' pool and see who could hit each other hardest doing the chops and then going, 
Woo! Like afterwards. We used to just do this for fun. Yeah. This is nothing. I'm taking Ric Flair all day. He can give me a hundred chops before I get stung by hornets. I mean, that's silly. I played bocce in the pool. Yeah, you did play pool bocce. I had a couple good pool games. We'll we'll get into that a different day. Okay. And the final one on my list, relive saying your vows to your ex. Oh, man. Woo-hoo. That's a good one. You know, in sickness and in health. uh, All that fun stuff staring right at her. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> that's a tough one. I think I'm going to take the Hornets. That sounds pretty terrible. Oh, I got two on the board. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Ha- one, I'd have to be like in a church again. Two, mm-hmm. I'd have to see her again. Three, I'd have to know like that my family knows that I'm doing this. You know, like th- this, this has bad implications all over. Just, just sting me up with some Hornets, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're like halfway through in sickness and health. You know, just you know, get the horn, get the hornets out. Just shake that nest up and open, open the, <laughs> open the door. <laughs> Woo! All right, all right, all right. Um, well, you know, hopefully this episode wasn't um, like listening, like getting stung by hornets for people. Um, but I think it is time for us to get on out of here. Uh, Mike, anything to promote before we go? Uh, I'm going to promote, promote our friends at Quinella Pass Brewery in the lovely town of Georgetown, Colorado. They were showing it off while I was watching uh, my football team playing Denver. And it was so cool to see our former guest, uh, Parker the Snow Dog, proud mayor of Georgetown, Colorado. But you don't just go there for Parker the Snow Dog, even though he's awesome. You go there for great beer, and that's what Quinella Pass Brewery has there. Beautiful mountain views. Two locations in the Colorado area. Great people to talk with. Check them out. Vanilla Pass Brewery. Nice. Um, and you, you should probably do that instead of watching the football team play football. That is a that is. I'd rather get stung by hornets. We're doing one. We're yeah, doing one. We, that's true. We're doing good, and then we're like, oh, that's a real team. Yeah, yeah. It is funny. It is funny because I. The Giants and the Commanders and the Jets—they all have this similar like. You, you turn on Red Zone or something, you see these cool teams like the Dolphins scoring seventy points, and you see like, I don't know, the high flying teams with these big score, the Jets, the Giants, the the Commanders, the Texans—like it's just so boring. Their games oh. stink. <laughs> they, they have no offense. They never do anything fun. They never have any flashy players where you're like, oh, man. You know? It's no we, like flea flickers at work. <laughs> you're like, that's amazing. We, ha- I mean, we got Barkley, but he plays like three games every every year. Like, it, it's just so boring. There's so many games at Giants games. If they're at night, I you bet your ass I'm sleeping by halftime because I'm like, this is so bad like it's just i don't know something about those teams they never have any like pizzazz you you watch like a chiefs game on primetime you're like this is amazing you know by 41 (laughs) they got freaking taylor swift in the freaking stands ain't nobody coming to our games like that yeah imagine taylor swift was with like daniel jones she'd be like yeah that that was the end of this (laughs) all these other all these other teams have cool stadiums and like I don't know. Our teams are boring, boring yeah. football teams. 
on one other side note on a our passing about uh uh effed up football you know how we talked about like a local theater reenacting the game mm-hmm. i i think disney stole my idea because the to- toy story yeah, the Toy Story game where like, yeah. they're going to reenact the entire game for kids with Toy Story characters commentating, and it's going to be an animated thing, the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm curious to see it. If it was on during the Giants game, I'd probably be flipping to see Woody and Buzz because the Giants, <laughs> you know, because you know, if the Giants win, it's 19 to 17 you know, oh, yeah. if you're not even happy because you're like you're stressing through the entire thing you're just like oh thank you for barely doing that and then the next week you lose by 34 there's no cool catches there's no there's no running back going bonkers every week there's no quarterback that you're like yeah this is so awesome boring teams commanders jets giants they all fall into that category pretty often pretty often um I will promote a show. Uh, we have another show coming up at Whiskey and Virtue in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, and that's going to be on Thursday, October 19th. This room is visually one of the coolest rooms um, that I performed in and been able to put on a show. Uh, we're just trying to get it going. We only did the one. Uh, we want to make it profitable and keep it going. Um, so I'm bringing a killer lineup, a killer lineup. Uh, myself, Mike Sicoli, John Kirshner, out of like baby birth retirement, uh, Jackie Byrne coming to host uh, the show. The best return, the be- best host <laughs> in the game, uh, and then headliner Peter Ravello. Um, so go on whiskeyandvirtue.com uh, for tickets. Uh, please come on out. It's a very cool Thursday night. Um, come check it out. Uh yeah, I guess that's it, guys. Um, please go support uh, Trey Crowder, Corey Ryan Forrester. Round here and over yonder is the name of their book. Uh, guys, we got a lot of guests lined up. We'll try to get this back to Monday releases. We're just you know shifting some things around, but we we we're still putting an episode for you guys. So don't worry, we're yeah. back. Um, lots of great guests to come. Um, other than that, guys, life is funny. Laugh at it. Keep the win at your back. The bees go buzzing one by one, hurrah, hurrah. The bees go buzzing one by one, hurrah, hurrah. The bees go buzzing one by one, little ones stop to have fun. And they go all flying high in the sky to go back to their high buzz, buzz, buzz.